Good evening, friend, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined once again by the indomitable Michael Daniels. I like that title. Still, still, still <laughs> not a word that I can pronounce, so it's even better because I can't call myself that. <laughs> nice, I, I can say nice. Indominus Rex. That's from... In, Indominus yes, Rex. That's, that's true. The, from Jurassic, Jurassic World, World 2. No, 1. I think it was 1, right? Indominus Rex. Oh, yeah, yeah. The second one was something even dumber. Fallen Kingdom, yeah. Yeah. Raptor. T-Raptor. Rex, Raptor Rex or something. I, I, did, I didn't. Anyway. I, I didn't think that uh, the second one really dropped the ball, didn't it? Like, what, is, what an opportunity yeah, yeah. they had. It was no Lost World, but it was not great. Yeah. It just felt, what is this? I think you and I both mentioned it. It's the, uh, not that you don't like the movie or that it's bad. It just feels like a great loss of potential, right? Sure. Like, oh, this sure. is an okay movie. <clears throat> Last Jedi. And it's just like, this could have been so much better. <clears throat> Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, how was your weekend? It was mixed. It was mixed. Um, I, mixed. I, I was mixed okay. because I was sick. Um, oh, it was a, it was a weird kind of flu, though. It was it was uh, I was sick on Thursday and worked from home and then recovered Friday. I had like a real bad fever and then recovered mm-hmm. Friday. And I was like, okay, I'm, this is my day after good, only 24 hour flu. And then Saturday it hit all over again. So it was really weird. Um, but the reason it's mixed is because then I, I, it was really beautiful out Saturday. So I went out to a place in Bloomington with a friend called uh, Hilltop Gardens and it's, uh, and did a lot of tilling the ground and working in the flower fields and stuff like that to get pl- plants planted and which is really, it was really like good to be outside. Right. You know what I mean? Hands yeah, in the dirt yeah. type stuff. Um, saw Shazam. I was still sick, but I went and watched Shazam. Uh, oh yeah, you guys like got like a pre-screening. We're not going to get it till April fifth. Yeah, we'll talk about that when uh, it comes out. When the official uh, release. So, so when I went home and I'm like, my body is going to shut down. I need to pass out. <laughs> and I walked in, and as I always do, there's always something that just catches my eye. And I sat down. Thinking, oh, I know. I read your group me thing that satisfactory is satisfactory. <laughs> or something like that. And I was like, sure. I think I said it's it's aptly named. Aptly named, that's right. And I was like, yeah. sure, I'll buy it and download it, and then I'll wake up tomorrow and play it. It downloaded really quick, and I played it until <laughs> four in the morning. And yeah, it's that it's that kind of game. Yeah. Um, I was going to save that for later in the show, because I have weekend news, too. But we can talk about that real, real briefly. Um, <laughs> We're talking about Satisfactory really briefly. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, exactly. we, we got to try. We're going to make an effort on this one for sure. This game is, everyone calls it 3D Factorio. It definitely if you, is. If you don't know what that means, um, it's a first-person game in the style of a first-person shooter. So you never see your character. You're, you know, you just see your tool or your weapon. Mm-hmm. And you have to build a factory. You put down buildings that do different things and you connect them with conveyor belts and they, uh, for example, pull iron up out of the ground, convey that into a smelting machine, then plates come out of it and then you have an assembler to turn those plates into, or those ingots, sorry, into plates and use the plates for other things. Eventually you like build a space elevator to send parts up and uh, it's in pre- release uh early access i should say so it's still in its alpha 
beta stage, but it feels really, really polished. It does feel really polished. I'm I'm happy about how polished. I, I think that this is one of those things that will, throughout the whole process, will probably keep me engaged because when a new patch comes out, I have a feeling that it's going to be like a good polished patch where they just improve mm. things, right? Yeah. Which makes me... It feels like a, not, a Warcraft, World of Warcraft patch. We're like, oh, here's yeah, a big thing. Your, your typical kind of like, um, you know, bug fix badges, which I'm sure they'll have those too. Sure. But um, the reason I said what I did in chat is uh, I had a moment. This won't mean anything to anyone who's never played the game, but you have a machine that generates power by burning biomass, leaves and sticks. And when your production machines use more power than your power generators generate, it trips a breaker, right? Just like real life. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you, you run over to where the power generator is. You look inside of it, and you've got a place where you can drop biomass and a little graphic and a chart that shows your power usage, uh, a graph. And there's a big handle that says fuse. And you take your mouse... You click on that handle and you pull it down and it makes this, this like ka-chunk sound. Right, right. And I'm like, the first time I did that, I was like, oh, that was so cool. I agree. It's, it's such a small little thing, but, um, and I don't know what else this, uh, I think the, the company that made it is called Coffee Stain. Really? I don't know what else they've done, but they have really nailed the um, immersive experience of of running a factory considering that you just magically drop buildings down and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, our buddy Zahn had said that they made goat simulator. Oh, that's right. 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 Um, yeah, I, I, I gotta say Factorio and this game, even I, I wonder about you out there listening to us is that had the same kind of response that I have to the description of this game. It's that it sounds extremely boring and, <laughs> and completely just like playing, I don't know, Legos virtually like that sounds like no fun at all. Um, and and I, I mean, would, mine, I would read the Minecraft was a huge success. So I don't Ooh, know that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You know what? That is kind of like a Minecraft ish kind of thing. It's, it's not like that, it's but with building. more structure. So, yes. the, you know, you're not just, you know, do whatever you want though. You, you sort of can, but you're, you have a guided, you have milestones that you're always trying to do. And it's, yeah, it's it's sort of like chores. It's sort of like work. But when you do that in a video game, it becomes something that you're choosing to do rather than something that either life or some person has forced upon you, like yeah, laundry and, or and, all and the other things adults have to do. Well, the, the, um, the aptly name is right. It, it's it's very satisfactory. Like when when you line something up and you make it better. Like you have something, you're just figuring this out and you make a machine work and it gives you the end result. It, it, I guess this, this is for those kind of games that people that liked robotics or Legos and things like that, that likes to put things together. And you, at the end, you're like, oh, look, it works. The hand moves and the robot walks across the thing. It doesn't look like a real person. It's not AI or anything, but you built a robot, right? Yeah. It's, it's that same um, thing. It's creative problem solving is all it is. And yeah. uh, again, it's, it's you know, sort of Zen. I think we've talked about that. That's a word that white people throw around a lot. I don't <laughs> entirely know what that word means, but it's just a kind of mentally relaxing activity uh, that that uh, that can be 
well, I already said relaxing. Yeah, so. and and it, and it makes it makes time go by so fast. <laughs> it really does because it, it feeds. Sure. It's it's this is something that psychologists, when they many of them study video games, is, should really look at, like how what it does in the brain to trigger all that stuff. Um, Factorio was one of the first very like Factorio is a very pure instance of this kind of genre it's very sure. raw like it um and and that was the first real experience of, of uh, that kind of a thing that i got to to this being away and i think and it's it's just feeding the, these certain dopamine levels in my brain to make me want to do this in the next step and the next step and and it's so well done that it you know all it does is phase two lets you do things more efficiently but for some right. reason that makes you feel better because phase one was so difficult and now you just want to be better and yeah yeah. So this game, that's just a really interesting thing. I said, it doesn't sound good, but when you start playing it, <laughs> you just get so wrapped up and involved in the fact that like you're, you're progressing and you're seeing things happen and it's a big thing. Uh, but this game, I like that you, you mentioned the lever thing. Um, along with that, I like, it's a big, beautiful world that seems mm -hmm. very interesting and you get to pick your world. And I liked that it's not, it that it is pre-generated. It's not a, um, scripted it's procedurally not, it's not generated random. yeah it's yeah. not procedurally generated world it's a real which we play a lot of in games these days and i really don't like it i love the custom experience of every nest was put where it's supposed to be and you know it's difficult to get up this hill not because it randomly just put there and there's no actual way to get up to the top of that but because it's crafted for that way on purpose right and um I liked it. It just, it, I liked that about it. And I loved running to the world and exploring stuff and realizing that over here is definitely different than over there because it's designed that way. Right. Mm -hmm. it, you're going to see the different environments. You're not going to happen to randomly come across them and they make sense. So that was fun. Um, and I, ended, I said, I ended up playing that too late and hardly got any sleep because I got to go get Sid, which she was on vacation and now she's back and I'm super excited for that. Mm -hmm. um so glad to have her back saturday night or sunday night i mean um so this weekend yeah my weekend uh, this whole thing was a very mixed thing is sick and tired but fun and good and <laughs> last weekend of vacation that's similar to how my weekend went we went down to tennessee um as yeah you said you were uh, traveling what did you do the, down there the, the listener will recall i have family in uh um, my sister and brother-in-law live outside of nashville Tennessee, mm -hmm. and they got tickets to the Mumford and Sons concert. Oh, that's right. You did supposed to pick from that. Yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I do remember now. Uh, I don't know if you're a fan of theirs. Yeah, they're okay. <laughs> that's they're they're high on the list of of bands that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, I uh, if if anyone who knows me knows, I am a little bit obsessive with words and storytelling and um, not linguistics, but like just at a, at a casual level like i have a my degree is in computer science i my english education is fairly basic but i love a well-told story we talked about this at length that we watched violet evergarden mm -hmm. um and uh marcus mumford has some just amazing uh lyrical ability just the the words that he that he puts together are always uh I don't know. I I enjoy them very much yeah, in the, a variety of ways. They, they, um, they a lot of the people go to their concerts. They evidently have good concerts. I mean, I know a lot of yeah. People they 
they played at the um I want to say Allstate. And I hope that's Ugh, I don't don't, don't no, show something, just say big theater venue. Not not Allstate. <laughs> uh um it's a I think it's tired. It's like Bridgestone Arena. Sure. It's the it's the arena in Nashville where they play hockey. Oh, okay. Um and so they had the stage with like the drums and the piano on each end like it's rectangular uh-huh. and then a microphone and a set of a, a small set of like kick drum and stuff on either side so he would go back and forth sometimes he'd be playing to one side of the arena and sometimes he'd be playing to the other side because it, it was 360 mm, okay um which was kind of cool and they had big projector screens because we were pretty high up and yeah. so then we could see uh close up what was happening he's playing all the different instruments and stuff but um that was fun that was a good time it's about an eight and a half hour drive from here so a lot of time in the car oh yeah um on the on the way back i i gave up my uh shotgun spot i usually get when riding with my family and uh sat in the the way back with my sister (laughs) and watched uh watched our um our weekly challenge movie and some some anime episodes and stuff so that was good times. Yeah, definitely good. That sounds like a good time. Like tra- traveling with the family, doing some family stuff. I did also get a chance to play uh, my newest Kickstarter game. If uh, want to talk about that briefly, sure. I, I before that, you have. This is with the Kickstarter thing. Is that you? You've spoken sometime, not at length, but several times about how you kickstart games and Trotsky, everybody Trotsky does the same thing. And you both do. And you, mm-hmm. you get them in. And I like, I like your, uh, yeah, we had him on a few months that. ago and, and talked about this. Right. Yeah. I, I like your a phrase of that, that. It's always like a, a Christmas present that comes in from you from past you to future you. Right. Right. Um, but, um, I, I've never done that. I've never kickstarted a game before. Um, okay. I, I mean, Kickstarter in general, it makes me a little nervous because it always feels such a risk. Not not in that it's a bad game or anything, but it's just that, like that, you may not get the game, or you don't know when mm. you'll get the game, or you don't know. You're just putting money down on something. When I feel like I could take fifty dollars and go to the game store and buy lots of different great games that are right that's, there and walk home with them. That's true, and there are plenty that I look at that I that I pass on. Um, yeah. I think I started like most things i started small um and i was like oh there's this it's a card game it's 10 bucks it's 15 bucks i'm like that's whatever like i spend 15 bucks now and someday i'll get a game yeah um the first couple i probably watched pretty closely um for a while there it was a symptom of my moving back home because when i lived in bloomington and i would visit up here um we played a lot of games because like I'm only here for the weekend. You know, mm-hmm. they, my brothers would stay up late, even if they had work, they're like, you know, Dennis is here. We'll play a game. And so when I moved, I was like, well, I don't have access to Trotsky's game library anymore. Right. And we play a lot of games when I'm at home. So I'm going to need to build up my own game library. Right. And, um, discovered that, you know, when I'm here all the time, it's not as much of a priority for anybody, including myself. And, you know that didn't that didn't go so well. So probably in that first year that I was living up here, I probably kickstarted, you know, over half a dozen games. Uh, now I'm more to the point where it's a couple a year, and it and it just depends on what it is. Um, you know, I got that 
game we played at ICG Con, Heroes Wanted, mm-hmm. and got all the extras. And when I finally got to actually playing it, it was not that great. Yeah, right. You just don't know, which is, right? You know, which is a thing that happens. You know, I've had some that I bought that I have sold at the at the auction and been fine and been fine with. My most common complaint with Kickstarter games is they usually feel compelled to offer stretch goals, mm-hmm. right? Which are if they exceed their target number, they want to add stuff to the game. Yeah. Which is a problem in a variety of ways. Like, was your game not complete? If you're adding like new cards, that's not necessarily true. Sometimes it's just production quality. You know, if they hit a certain point, they'll do wooden meeples instead of plastic. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, my problem with that is for a while, and I think more groups have, have gotten, have gotten this figured out. Um, I would get a card game and the stretch goals would give like big tarot card size versions of the heroes or whatever. And then it doesn't fit in the box. Yeah, right. I'm like, uh, what? Come on. What am I supposed to do with this? Like, just put it all in a big Ziploc bag or something? And I mean, it's obviously a huge first world problem. But right, right. Uh, anyway, this game I kickstarted uh, about a, less than a year ago. I think it was last summer, uh, just before Gen Con, because Trotsky hadn't gotten his copy. And so I was looking at. Uh, at the Gen Con group chat, trying to figure out when when this happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trotsky backed it. Um, it's called Call to Adventure. Okay. And they have an expansion planned that is themed to uh, The Name of the Wind, which is the first oh. book in uh, Patrick Rothfuss's series that I really like. Yeah, and you wrote and that. So, mm-hmm. so between that and looking at some gameplay videos and uh, some of their stretch goals, I decided to back this and it has a couple of uh things that are that i enjoy even before i got to actually playing it um i did pay extra for custom art sleeves because i love sleeves and um the play mat which is a really big heavy well-made play mat it's better than any play mat i've ever owned or or held so that was cool um i got a chance to yeah i got a chance to play it uh, this weekend with um, three of my sisters, and because it only plays four, um, the way this game works is it's a little bit like um, Splendor, where you have rows of cards that reveal as the game progresses, and you can buy them. Okay, quote unquote. Is it a um, deck builder game? No. Uh, let me think how to describe this. Um, so you have a, you have a card in front of you with three slots and you get dealt six cards. There are two each of an origin, a motivation and a destiny. Uh, this is a storytelling game. Okay. But you know, it's not like gloom or D and D or something where you have to tell a story. Uh, You just pick. So you have two origins and you say, okay, well, I'm going to pick these and these. And your origin and your motivation are face up. Your destiny is face down. Your destiny is like your um, is like your lord in Lords of Waterdeep. It's your secret goal. Oh, okay. Um, your origin and your motivation give you some kind of ability um, or bonus on your turn. And then 
those the the cards that show will have icons on them and that was the biggest uh learning curve difficulty aspect of this game is there were all these symbols that represented things and so for almost every person's turn i had to re-explain the same things i'm like okay you start with these and because you have this and this is this then you roll this many um and your chances are between so um the cards that you want to acquire are out on the board they're either challenges or traits um traits you can just pick up if you meet their requirements uh challenges are i i kept calling them checks because they're like dice checks in D D. okay Except the thing I thought was really cool about this game is that it doesn't have dice. It has what they call runes. And they're like a little mahjong tile that's not quite rectangular. It's like a little bit wider at one end. Okay. Which is just like, you know, it's supposed to be imitating the old, like, yeah, when people would roll bones roll or whatever. Bones, yeah. Um, and they're only two-sided. Uh, so you pick them all up in your hand and then you throw them and they land. Yeah. Um, and then you're trying to get a target number and the target number was usually four and the basic runes that everybody gets for every check are either a one or a zero. And the zero side of one of them lets you draw an action card. Okay. And there's this, there's this affinity thing that moves you between, um, it's not good and evil because you're always a hero. So it's hero, anti-hero, or triumph tragedy. Oh, okay. Um, and that affects your score at the end. Got it. Um, and the icons on your cards give you more runes to throw. And those runes are, are ones and twos. Um, Ooh, okay. Oh, great. And so you... And then the cards on the on the board are split into three acts. The Act 1 cards go under your origin, Act 2 go under your motivation, and Act 3 go under your destiny. And you only get three added on to each of those piles, and then the game is over. So if you know how to play, it plays pretty quick. The box right. says 30 to 60 minutes. Uh, I think it probably took us about two hours because we had um, people get up in between. and it's oh, right. the The structure of it is pretty simple, but my sisters don't play a lot of different games like our friends. So I couldn't just say, well, this is like this. You do that. And you know, yeah, everybody sure. knows they're like, Oh, it's a deck builder. Okay. So how are we drawing 10 or 12? Yeah. You know, right. Or are we drawing five or six? Like everybody knows, you know, all how that sort works. of right. yeah. institutional knowledge. But, uh, right. so did you like um, it? Were you happy with it? I did. Yeah. Um, That's I didn't cool. win, but mm -hmm. I think, um, my one sister got 46 points and the other three of us were like 31, 32, 33 or something like that. So it was a okay. interesting kind of split. It's possible that we messed up the math because there's a lot of point salad at the end. Sure. As they say. Yep. But uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I, was I, uh, I always do. I'm always tempted by to want to wanna invest in the Kickstarter thing. And, and it always ends up being a price point thing. I mean, it, it's still mm. as big as a gamer as I am. It's still very difficult for me to throw down $100 for something. Yeah, and, I get that for sure. And and it's especially on unknown things. Uh and not only unknown things, like Kickstarter is definitely a place where people can just ditch it and run, take the money and run. Uh so it's 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 so difficult for me to even go to a game and and, and buy like a Gloomhaven or something when I know yeah, it's a, a thing. But I didn't I didn't I want to, Gloomhaven. Want to. 
Um, this game for me, I definitely fell into the the IP trap. Oh yeah, sure. Right, like I know the author, I know the story, and so even I do though that I'm, all the time. even though I'm annoyed that he is collaborating on this board game instead of finishing the third book, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm like I I love I love the world that he built so much. I'm like yeah, I'm I'm just gonna do this. Like it's yeah. No, it's I, I get I get that. If there was a uh, Way of Shadows kind of type thing, I would definitely uh, Night Angel trilogy thing. I'd invest in it just because you know. Right. I'm not I'm not above that giving money to something that <laughs> I want to kind of support. I mean, I, I'm always a big fan that you know, I you put your money where you want to show support, right? I mean, I, sure. I, I don't. I, I'm always one of those people that. I have never asked for my money back in a movie theater. I have sure. left movies early, but I've never <laughs> asked for my money back. And although you can, I mean, I know that it happens all the time and theaters realize that huh. and they're totally okay with it. That's crazy. Yeah. They, they're like, you can walk in and say, this movie is terrible. I would like my money back. And they'd be like, okay. It's, it's not their fault. No, but you can do that. But you're right. That's the same thing too, is that I, I think that. You know, I, I'm here, I paid money, I want to encourage the theater to be here still, and for people to make sure. monies, even if they're, or movies, even if they're terrible. So, okay, it's just what it is, right? I still want to put my mm -hmm. money there. Um, you know, things like, uh, um, what's it, uh, CBS All Access, you want to pay for it, you want to pay them money and show that, hey, keep putting in things like Star Trek Discovery, and I will pay you my money, mm -hmm. right? So, and I like that. I mean, I do, you know, I enjoy like, comic books, the same thing. I don't always like the X-Men comic I'm reading, but I want to, I want to keep buying it as this, you know, Hey, make better ones. And there, and then I'm also starting to get into that. I also will deny you my money if I think that <laughs> you're, you're terrible. But anyway, um, so I played, let's see, I played satisfactory. I played some Marvel versus Capcom. Um, I got this game that, my buddy Dave loaned me called Widow's Wood, and it's a uh, light, a Gloomhaven light game type thing. It was I think it was out long before. It's an iron, oh, what they call it? iron iron machines. I think it's like a type of Warhammer ish type thing. Okay, okay. Uh, a board and game. It's, but, yeah, it's a board game though, and it's but it's it was out, so it was out before Gloomhaven. But it's a sure. lot. It's a lot like Gloomhaven, where you're putting minis on the board. You got these little little places the tiles that you put down on the board to represent doors and everything and you yeah i mean and you have an, very an little adventure. very little about gloomhaven is new it's yeah just right the, the so first one was to like put that. all these things together in us in such a <laughs> yeah i'm gonna say something that sounds ridiculous but such a user-friendly uh oh, right. package it's, it's right? epic like, um so so this one is gloomhaven but light so it's it's like all of the the rules but like less and you don't really need them all and it's you know, okay. it's, instead of having, you know, 10 cards and, or 12 cards to start with or 16 to choose from and 35 all over, all overall for choices for your class and 10 classes, this game has five classes um, of which there can be a four player game. And um, you use all all six cards that they have and you up, you have three upgrades. Right. So it's just a, just kind of streamlined and. Uh, there's just melee and range attack, and that's kind of the numbers, right? Roll sure. against their defense, and that's the, there you go, you hit or didn't hit. And they have one hit point, and they're dead. There's no tracking <laughs> hit points. You know, like Gloomhaven, where you track hit points and then yeah, status yeah. effects and all the stuff like that. It's like, they do have one status effect called knockdown, and it has its rules, but there's no others. So, 
which is, it made it feel good. It made me feel like I was playing the game. I went to the story. It took less than an hour to play. And it was like, I'm playing another one. Right. Nice. Because it just was so quickly. So those are, those are fun, right? That the, are still short and sweet. They don't have to have super complex rules. I love the super Twilight Imperiums. Those are great. But, you know, having the, the, the simple get through game is nice. I'm a little excited about this one though, too, because, um, there's two, it's a, it's a, it's a campaign type game. So it continues on and you do improve your character. Uh, okay. but there's only seven episodes, I guess you say, or stories or maps hmm. or whatever. So once you're done with seven, then you've done it, which is right. great. Like I feel that I can accomplish seven 92 Gloomhaven. I'm not so sure about, right. <laughs> um, but well, you don't do them all, but yeah. Well, no, I, I mean, you. you will do them all, right? As much as you can. I mean, I well, some you some you make choices, right? If you yeah, true. if you overthrow the city, then you can't go back and oh, even half, you know, what was that? Defend like the forty six. Yeah, yeah, I still exactly. is going to be like ugh. That's a lot um, for sure. Uh, so anyway, seven. I feel like I I can complete this game, right? That makes me feel like an attainable goal. Um, <laughs> and then they, it's got an expansion when it adds two more adventures and two more classes, and then it's got a a sequel, which I also have here. Um, which has seven more. So if I really feel like it, I could complete these games. That's kind of a, a feeling I haven't had with a while with, with like legacy games and things. They, I love the legacy games, but man, they feel like an investment. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of a, it's a sort of a, two, there's two sides of that, right? It's like um, people talk about single player adventure games and video games. Yeah. Like yeah. if I buy a legacy game and it's, you know, like, um, uh, hero realms ruins of thandar i'm like uh if if i had four or five hours i could play this in one night and then it's oh, done yeah. and it's yeah. also expensive for a game that's made only of cards all right, uh, right. that's all we talked about that at length a couple of weeks ago yeah. a couple right. of months ago but uh yeah so like you know if you're doing a legacy game people the developers i'm sure feel compelled to like give it a lot of longevity um, yeah Depending and I'm okay. on what it I is, okay I mean, with that. I mean, pandemic is the year. Like the most it's going to take you is twelve or is twenty four sessions to go yeah. through pandemic legacy, and it it charges forward. Like whether you win or lose, yeah. and I don't know. There's something that happens if you lose four in a row, but we've never right. lost more than one in a row. So right. Well, yeah, and, and I'm okay with that. I, I don't want to sound like I'm knocking it. it. It's just that we, I'm very, very fortunate, and and I it's realize nice I'm fortunate to be able to, yeah, to play these things. Yeah, so it's sure. a nice ch- change of pace to have that. The still, the still have the kind of feeling of it, but in a short, contained, easy to to deal with, and and I can put it downstairs, open it up, piece it together, play it in an hour, and then put it back in the box. And it, I wasted an hour and a half, not wasted, but I spent an hour and a half. So that that yeah. was good. And I'm excited. I like that. So I'm excited. I still have, have those to, out. Uh, and keep it out. You have to see if there's a if there's a tabletop simulator version. We can try. It oh yeah. Later. That would be easy then, because that, that would be quick instead of like a Gloomhaven time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll have to just check that out. Um. So anyway, you want to talk about our uh, our challenge this week? Uh, yeah, we can do that. And then you mentioned uh, CBS All Access. I do want to talk about Discovery at some point. Okay. So sure. Uh, which definitely first do, you, do you want to do? let's let's talk um, because i want to keep intentionally keep it brief let's let's talk the 2020 challenge this week we watched uh the dark knight 
uh, not the first, but the second Christopher Nolan uh, Batman film with um, Christian Bale, Heath Ledger, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Morgan Freeman. Yep. I'm surprised uh, that they have this uh, on, they just have this one and not all three. Not the whole trilogy. Well, uh, I mentioned last week I was... I was not a huge fan of the third one. I don't know if I've told this story on the show, but I uh, was out, I don't know, at a red box, I think, years ago. And I saw Dark Knight Rises in the red box. And I went, oh, I still haven't seen this. I should mm-hmm. rent this and watch it. And I mean, I didn't get very far into it. I got about five minutes into it. And, uh, you know, Anne Hathaway is robbing bruce wayne of his diamonds or something Uh uh and uh and i went oh wait i have seen this (laughs) and so you had forgotten i had watched it and forgotten that i had seen it and so that's my that's my um um uh, justification for saying that movie was not even bad enough to be memorable right so like it wasn't awful but it clearly wasn't that good because I didn't remember it. And so I, I stuck with it. I watched about until the spoilers, if you haven't seen it, until the, uh, I, though I think this was at the trailer, uh, the football field is collapsing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm going to turn this off and watch something else. Like, I've seen yeah. enough. Yeah, um, I, I enjoyed that movie. I really did. Um, but it felt long. Yeah, like it's it, very it long. It felt like every piece was like they're, okay, they're telling a lot of story for every act and so yeah i get that i can see that um so i I did like it and i thought that it was a good third piece and i and i wasn't a big fan of the first one batman begins but it was also it was a good story i guess overall i am not a fan of christian bale batman i and i'll admit that out front a lot of people are a fan and i'm man his voice sounds like he's taking a poop every time (laughs) and it's hard it's hard you know how there's things that you get you just can't you just can't get past yeah yeah no i'm 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 with you uh do you want to do you want to try and split the positive and positives and negatives to this or or just kind of oh i I think the only negatives i had was about the other movies because like this one is clearly i love this one i mean yeah i mean you know there's very few negatives for me on this movie i know the the joker villain is visited a lot in the batman Mm -hmm. franchise um i think with good reason because um in a similar way to having a shapeshifter body snatcher kind of villain um having a completely chaotic no motivation uh kind of villain is equally um I don't want to say compelling, but terrifying. Like not you sure, not really something sympath- our logical brains can't control. Not really sympathetic, but in some ways very sympathetic. I think you know even the most the most rational person has had moments of madness, moments of like you know pondering existence and and going yeah yeah. I can I could sort of see that you know I, I Most, don't know Dennis but I, I think I need to get help for you now is it is what you're, right I'm, here, I'm hearing uh, the cry for help m- on m- on the show <laughs> most of us if we are civilized and sane you know don't live there we move back we move back you know off from the brink and go uh, <laughs> no no it's we obviously can't can't do what, right. whatever whatever else is out there is worse 
than and uh, and, and Joker is than what we have is but. is uh, old and tired and put away wet, but dang it, Ledger, he is the best of all of it, right? Like every scene, he is amazing. Um, and yeah, it's I know not that the he like... did it himself. Like he did it. He made every choice every time. He like licks his lips or mm-hmm. he pauses. I, I I sometimes I like to listen to the lines of dialogue that's happening in a movie and think about how they're written on a page. And then an actor has to decide where pauses are, where they look and how they think. And Ledger is interesting in everything he says. He says it Mm -hmm. differently, you know, like, no, no, I'm not a freak. Like he just says it curtly. And then, and then he goes on with something else in a different manner and different tone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And his laughs are different. And like, man, this this kid was amazing, and I—I I mean, we could go all day about how much I think Heath Ledger is, but I—I I am on the side of that he was—he got an award for that, right? A posthumous humorous humor? posthumous posthumous, uh, yeah. I—if he didn't, he definitely should have. I think I mean, he got best supporting for that. Probably best uh, supporting, even though, I mean, I wouldn't have given Christian Bale best actor for this, but no, no, yeah, I sure. mean. Heath Ledger's I mean it it carries this whole film and and it it's does. it's definitely like we said it's the only one of this this trilogy that's on the bucket list um and it's definitely the best of the 3 Yeah the uh, uh without question so many without question so many as as I call them memes but so many quotes that are probably not a lot of them are probably not from this film originally but definitely made famous by this film like um uh, some men just want to watch the world burn. Right. Right. I was like, Oh, that's from this. I forgot about that. Right. Obviously everybody knows the, the hero we need, not the one we deserve or vice versa. Yeah. Agent um, of chaos. Agent thing. of chaos. I, I love You know, my favorite line of all of it, and there's so many great ones is the, uh, uh, when the Joker, he's like, he's really pissed that the Joker just killed his fiance. And, the Joker walks in and starts having a conversation with the guy. Like that's what only the Joker could do that. And he's like totally within three minutes is saying like, don't blame me. It's not my fault. I just do it. Cause I just do things. And he says, I'm like a dog that chases a car. I wouldn't know what to do with it. If I caught it, mm-hmm. right. I just do things. And I'm like, it's yeah, like, that's how, how truly crazy is 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 the man who knows that he's crazy yeah i right but, it's it's yeah. yeah it's so um i mean it's it's really the to, to me as a as a non-comic book reader it's the true strength of the batman franchise and i i for a long time thought that i preferred dc to marvel and i don't know that i read enough comic books to really have an opinion on that divide mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. has has any kind of weight but it's really all about batman like superman is not really that interesting to me uh mm-hmm. the injustice series was very interesting to me because right uh you see superman go bad and of course there's a whole conversation about the uh superhero ethics they're like they're they're moral rules that they don't break yeah. um which are really <laughs> at the at the end of the day are just literary um um, constrictions right put there to make the storytelling actually interesting because yeah, that, superman that, with no <laughs> with no moral restrictions is is broken like he's he's completely overpowered and there's nothing you know 
I mean, that's the whole theme of the Injustice series. Like, well, that, that, that's he, also... he goes he goes bad, and nobody can stop him because he's Superman. Like, he's invincible. Well, the funny thing about that that is kind of they they that was brought to a head in the um, Man of Steel movie where he right. it was it was people were like, oh, this is how you know superhero fights happen is that you bash one guy into a skyscraper and the skyscraper goes down and then you. You are fighting in the middle of Metropolis and huge houses and buildings are going to fall down on everybody. That's just the way it is because it's just a movie. And then, you know, of course, real life people throw a fits about collateral damage and then it's a big stupid thing. Um, and then they make Batman versus Superman centered around it. Um, right. But but really, when it's you just realize it's a superhero movie. Yes, Batman doesn't kill. But seriously, the dude's probably killed like 500 people. I mean, yeah, yeah. He just that- like he shoots his missiles and blows up trucks and. <laughs> And cars. Uh, can I Flip. can I mention that by the way? This this is something that I've watched this movie a lot, but I don't think till recently did I notice like that dude just randomly and indiscriminately blows up cars just so he can get his bike through. Mm-hmm. I'm like he's like and he shoots his missiles out and then a, like a whole row of cars blow up and flip over. I'm like I don't know why they would be in this tunnel parked there. They, they're not parked there. They're on the road. Right. Right. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah, um, I I had a I had a lot of that too, and and the uh, and the fight scenes like they establish this again in this movie because they're all the copycats, and like the first time one of them pulls a gun, I'm like, what's this Batman? Everybody knows Batman doesn't use guns, and then uh, you know the the villains are like, that's not him. I'm like, yeah, yeah. see, even the villains know. Uh, but then you get to him actually fighting, and he's you know he's got all this armor, he's shooting out blades he's grabbing a dude by the collar and slamming his head into a metal railing oh yeah i'm like okay so he's not shooting anybody but like somebody with a with a with a you know with a bullet in his knee is probably better off than this guy who if he survived this has a major concussion oh man at, at easy like he bashes the 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 um the Joker's head into bulletproof glass mm-hmm. and it just, it cracks and shatters. It shattered. It like just, you know, dents the whole glass in and you're like, Oh <laughs> man, he would have busted his skull. Right, right. Right. Um, and yeah, he's, he's violent. He is. And I'm not saying anything bad about this. I just want it to be said that like, <laughs> he's not just be, Oh, Batman just fights with his hands and doesn't kill people. No, the dude is, has guns all over his stuff. And when people make a big deal about Batman versus Superman and super and Batman killing people or, you know, beating people to a pulp, like, yeah, every Christopher Nolan thing, he had weapons all over yeah. everything he had. Yeah. Um, and he destroyed, he destroys so much pop, public property in the first Batman begins when he gets his, his car, mm-hmm. um, he does this. They the police start start chasing him, and he does this huge run through downtown while he's trying to escape, and he's bashing through freeways over cars in his tank car. He's just trying to get away. But I'm like, there's no supervillain here. You're not going to save the day. You're just right. destroying highways and you know millions yeah. of dollars in, worth of stuff. In in the Dark Knight, there's some desperation toward the end where he's. You know, he's trying to save Rachel. He's trying to find sure, I go uh, with Gordon that. and all of that stuff. And so that you can sort of hand wave some of that. But yeah, 
Yeah, I know what you're talking about. In the yeah. First one. So anyway, that that was interesting. That's not to put down the movie. The, the movie is fantastic. I, I like all of the actors in it are great, with the exception of Bale Batman, which I don't like. I like Bale as Bruce Wayne, but Bale Batman, meh. Um, it's the, it, this, his voice is so gravelly. The first time he so bad. Started, I was like, oh, um, and, and you know what I found was funny in this one I was watching too is that like he even talks that way when he's with people that know that he's not Batman. Like there's a scene where he rescues Rachel Dawes as she falls off the building and he jumps after her mm-hmm. and they land. And she's like, she says, is Harvey okay? And he's like, yes, he's safe now. I'm like, he, dude, she knows you're Bruce Wayne. You can just talk in your normal voice. Is the I thought that in this in this franchise the voice was not just an affectation. It was like uh electronically masked or something. No, that's that's Batman. That's that's the Ben Affleck Batman. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, and this one he's he's growling on purpose. Right. And and when so he does that then and when he goes up to to Lucius Fox mm-hmm. and he's in the Batman suit, he talks long monologues with the growly, gravelly voice of Lucius Fox, when he clearly knows that it's Bruce Wayne. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, dude, stop talking like that. Like if Dennis, you started to put on a costume, you just constantly were talking that way, but stop. Just stop. Right, I'm right. right here. Bruce, I know who you are. Uh, it's like, so that, uh, that was funny. It's like Tropic Thunder. He, he never <laughs> breaks character. Never breaks character, uh, which which was funny. Um, but I, I will say another good thing was the, uh, they took a real good chance at replacing, um, the actress of Rachel Dawes from the first movie yeah. to this one. And they did a good choice. I mean, she was really good. Um, Ma- Maggie Gyll- Gyllenhaal, is that her name? Mm-hmm. She's good. She was a good Rachel Dawes. The first one was, I, I, I just didn't like her in this one, in the sure. first one. Uh, she's fine. Katie something or other. Katie Holmes. Uh, Katie Holmes. Yeah, she's usually okay in some of the things she does, but she was just terrible on that one. Mm-hmm. So they, it was pretty it's probably a kind of a ballsy move for someone like Nolan to say, yeah, that was a mistake and you're a pretty well-known actress, but we're going to pass and we're going to still continue on with everything else, but you. Right. Right. I mean, I guess that happens in other places too. We see Terrence Howard replaced with um, the war machine guy on an Iron Man. Don Cheadle. Yeah. Don Cheadle, which was a good call. Good, good thing. And so yeah, I, I mean, guess Don you do Cheadle see is amazing. It. So yeah. Right. So it's, it's, it's seen it happens, but that takes a big directorial kind of you know decision making for thing. sure. So yeah, liked it, L- liked the Dark Knight. I will I will still continue watching this movie over and over again <laughs> at times. So, and I'm not the hugest DC Batman fan, so right, good, good, right. good on that. All right, uh, um, our, our next one. So next so, one. so here at the here at the end of this segment, we'll do this because we always do this. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Is this a bucket list watch only once movie? A excellent watch it repeatedly movie or a uh, Un, uh, overrated don't bother movie i think i know where this is going. well you know what you know, mine is definitely watch it again but that's that's because i'm a, a superhero fan this is a good mixture of real world quote unquote with superhero type stuff it's what batman is definitely a, a repeat for me yeah uh, it's, but what about for you is this a, a one-time not, thing you know or? it's it's batman he's not quite street level but there's no magic there's no superpowers there's just some really really implausible gadgets and technology yeah. um I think it for being almost ten years old, it still for the most part holds up. Yeah, um, I feel so. You know, I don't know how it compares to uh, the movies Marvel was making at the time, but um, if you're if you're only going to watch one of the Nolan verse Batman's, uh, this is the one to watch. You don't I actually really... think if you watch any Batman, this is the one to watch. Yeah, I mean, 
you know any of the any of the 90s era ones are going to seem dated even the good ones um mm-hmm. none of none of the <coughs> excuse me none of the affleck ones have been worth seeing which right. is just justice league and batman versus Superman. i mean justice league wasn't bad but right, right um you don't need really any context to watch this movie maybe you don't know about the history with rachel but it becomes pretty apparent like yeah you you re- you really don't need to you're right this is a good standalone movie that that you can just watch by itself and don't have to watch it there's no there's no unnecessary batman origin story like his parents were shot outside of a theater and he is rich and fights crime that's all you really need to know (laughs) they they could just put a little you know scroll with that in it it's like there you go title scroll like star wars (laughs) exactly just and it's like three sentences right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh so what yeah what 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 is so you're saying that you would watch it multiple times or is it just yeah, worth I mean, watching once? I mean, I think at least once. And if you like action movies or comic book movies, you've probably already seen it. Um, but uh, yeah, it was worth watching again. I I saw it when it was relatively new. And so I was watching it again this time. And I, you know, saw all the quotes that I forgot were uh, were from this movie. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, for okay, sure. So next week, are we, are we doing, are we going forward with our normal schedule on this one? Yep, yep. Next up in the schedule is Up, the Pixar Next up uh, in this schedule movie about a house with some balloons on it or something. Yeah. Have have you seen this one? I I have seen it. I don't remember if I gave it my full attention. It's a kids movie, so it's the kind of thing where like it maybe was on in a room that I was in, but I am pretty sure that I that I sat and, you know, gave it mostly my full attention. But give, give it's, first, it's been years give the ago. First, give the first 10 minutes your full attention. Yeah, I remember the first 10 minutes. Okay, because that's, that's probably the most iconic of this movie. Everyone who remembers anything about this movie just remembers that first 10 minutes, right? And the, and the like, cone of shame. And the, oh, and the cone of shame, yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that'll be fun. I'm excited to watch a good, happy movie. Um, so there's a lot of things on this list that's it's puzzling to me that there are other other things that could take its place. Um, but I can't like up. It's going to be one of those that's, uh, I don't know if it belongs here, but it's definitely fine. Yeah. I've, I've been, I've been looking at this as a sort of like, um, a lot of the movies on this list are one of X, like one Hitchcock movie, one Nolan versus Batman, one, uh, I don't know, Indiana Jones. No. But the, would when, this be your one Pixar movie? Yeah, that's that's where I was going with that with that train of thought. Like maybe this poster was made before Inside Out. Inside Out, Incredibles, Wally. I mean, Wally, Mon- Monsters Inc., Finding. Ne- I mean, Monsters even Inc., Finding Nemo, Finding Nemo. Yeah, even even just go back and watch Toy Story again. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I want, is Toy Story on this list? Because like, yeah, if you're gonna pick the one of thing, pick Toy Story, right? Um. Well, Wally is on here. Okay, so well, Wally is pretty great. So, and so is Toy Story. But, so, uh, okay, so th- this is not a one. We've got a, we've got a couple. This, then they're like, you got to watch a couple things. The person three, who made this poster was a Pixar fan. So yeah. Okay, so we'll up, going to be fine. I'm 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 happy to watch that one. Sid and I will watch that again. And mm-hmm. you know, she was she was a little kid back. I'm sure when it came out. Right. Awesome. All right. Are you are you caught up on Discovery? I am, I believe, caught up in Discovery. Last episode that I watched was called The Red Angel for you listening. Um, yeah, if you don't want to be spoiled yeah. or if you yeah. hate Star and, Trek, skip ahead. Yeah, so this, yeah, definitely this is one of those, if you don't like Star Trek, because we did, we have talked about Star Trek a couple weeks in a row here. 
And I know some, some, we, you and I, Dennis, try to tend to go on about it, um, especially about discovery. Um, but we'll try to stick to just this episode because we, we've talked at length about the ones before this. Um, you, you have seen, wait, have you seen this? Yeah, I watched it last night. Okay, all right. Uh, so yeah, skip, skip ahead. We'll, we'll speak, try not to, to stay forever on this one, but it, it, if you're a Star Trek Discovery fan, let's, let's get into it. Um, so what do you think? This was, this was a, this felt like a jump the shark on a lot of stuff in this episode to me. Yeah, this is the, uh, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna reveal, we're gonna do the big reveal, not big reveal, but kind of the like preamble to the big reveal of what the deal is with the red angel yeah um and that deal is apparently that the red angel is michael burnham herself or maybe her mom which doesn't make any sense I, like the genetic I markers would not, mom. would not be identical if it was her mom like they would have right figured that out like my dna does not match my dad's dna that's not how dna works <laughs> i mean right, but it, does, it matches but it's not identical um, right. Yeah, I don't I don't know what they're doing with that person at the end. It I'm thinking it's her mom, but I don't know, right? Like that that same DNA question you had it was confusing to Yeah, me. I mean the most logical interpretation that I thought when I saw it was that it was her older, which is what she would be if she came from the future. But uh right. but apparently not. Yeah, they were just blowing all sorts of things up in in this episode with with stuff. Like they they jumped into the whole well, first off, this is a Burnham centered episode. This is sure. definitely like okay, let's go back to, to season one. Back and to the season one, to... like main big Michael Burnham adventure hour. Yeah, which I don't have anything. I said this before. I don't have anything against Michael Burnham. I like her as a character and everything, but she's just not one that I find completely compelling. Sure. Um, and and this one made me feel like this episode the same way. It's not that I didn't like this episode. It just was like, uh, it's an it's more Michael mm-hmm. and. And I do, it's interesting. It's uh, everyone on the crew knows Michael Burnham and they know her psychology. Like it's, they, it's too bad that they call pointed out to her all the time. Mm. Oh yeah. Here heaven. It fits her profile that, you know, she goes off and, and tries <laughs> to take on too much than she's supposed to take on. What a, what a shadow to live under. Oh yeah. Spock intentionally calls it out. All the oh time. yeah. There are a couple of those awkward, like sibling rivalry. And there's like, Somebody else in the room will like give a little smirk. Uh, yeah, like I, I, you're right. You're totally right. She doesn't need to do stupid stuff like that. Right. I mean, the whole Klingon war was caused because of that, mm-hmm. right? Um. So yeah, it's uh, that part of it. I didn't, you know, it's like oh, okay. And I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm torn on Spock. I'm really interested on your take on this Spock now that we've had a couple episodes with him. Yeah, I think that myself. I've I've said on the show multiple times. Um, Leonard Nimoy's Spock is, you know, one of the first fictional characters that I remember ever really like almost idolizing, um, Mm -hmm. that just stoic controlled kind of, kind of personality really appealed to me in my teenage years, which is probably not uncommon to anyone going through teenage Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. Um, the, I understand why they gave him a beard that helps. Um, it does. He's it does. so he's so visually different from the other interpretations of Spock that uh, you know it it uh, sort of bridges that gap a little bit. Um, that's really all I have on that. I haven't been I've I've been intentionally 
try not to overthink that character too much. We don't get too much screen time with him, so he feels yeah, like a different Spock to me, even though he's supposed to be literally the same Spock. Uh, yeah, that, that that's where I go here is that is that I I think I like him just fine, the mm-hmm. character that they have on this show, and I almost wish that they wouldn't have called him Spock. <laughs> it was like you know what I mean it would have been fine, because because in the back of my head I struggle a little with like this has got to end up being the guy that's in the first episode of Star Trek, and he's right. completely logical, and he's gone over and not until. Much later in the movies, do you start to get he start to accept his human side, right? Um, like in the series, he was almost always purely. Vulcan. So, so they've done a thing now. Yeah, do you think is is Discovery's Spock more emotional than Leonard Nimoy's Spock? And I oh, mean, yes. I mean original series Leonard Nimoy. Yes, so absolutely. This is a thing you might not. Remember, although they showed it in the flashbacks when they did uh, the Talos 4 episode. In the original pilot for the original series, Star Trek, um, Spock's character was not the emotionless character. Yes, I right? agree. He, he smiles yeah. and stuff. Yep. The, he's, he's fascinated ma- by the thing. Yeah, the, the Majel Barrett character, um, the first officer, was the emotionless uh, character. Right. And it's... Uh, in Leonard Nimoy's autobiography, he says it's not until I think Corbomite maneuver or maybe um, the Tholian web when they're doing a bridge scene and everybody's reacting to crazy stuff they're supposed to be seeing on the screen, and Leonard Leonard Nimoy delivers his very first fascinating, mm-hmm. and that's where for him the character clicked. It's like he's a guy who his emotions only come this to this level. Like, right. And this is the most enthusiastic he can be about a thing is fascinating. Right. And, uh, and that's not this kind of Spock. That's this not, Spock that's not this Spock. already. So thrown uh, th- stuff, th- thanks you know? to this, thanks to this Michael Burnham time traveling thing. I'm all over the place in my head with theories. And I don't, I don't normally <laughs> spend too much time doing that kind of stuff because uh-huh. I lived through lost and, suffered the crushing disappointment <laughs> of that uh, of that right? finale but okay. with but with endgame coming up in the MCU and and yeah. hearing some of the and and sharing some of the crazy uh theories people have one of the more recent ones i've seen is that um there's so many uh, there's a there's a potential time loop solution yeah uh i don't know if you ever watched misfits but uh that's a sort of unaffiliated comic book a series it actually might be based on comic books but it's a superhero series uh, made in britain and okay. w- one of the characters uh later in the story acquires the ability to uh, uh time travel from actually one of the main characters has time traveling from the beginning but it's just reverse like you can rewind and do something again and that's it and so he gets that power one of the other characters gets that power and goes back like a couple years. And so all throughout the first season, there are hints of the version of him from the future. Um, and eventually they have to do something uh, like they get to a point in the present where they die. Um, but the, the theory for the MCU is that somebody presumably with the time stone uh, goes back in time 
to set events in motion, but then when the story is going forward from the present, they're no longer there. Does that make sense? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, like that if, is, that's interesting. Like if Tony Stark now goes back to, you know, leave breadcrumbs for himself to make the Iron Man suit or whatever, we don't see any of that. Like that's all already been told with just without yeah. that perspective. And he's not in the group moving forward because he dies in the past or something. Right. Or he's, well, the, he's just stuck in that. He can't reveal himself. Yeah. There's, there are so many in game scenarios where it's, it's really fun. I mean, I don't read any of them because, <laughs> I, but I know that they're really fun for people to. Sure. Sure. You know, I, I happen to see there. it. It popped up on a, news sidebar whatever but oh yeah it's, it's it's really hard for me not to click all the ones that are like this thing's just revealed it's right a, right somebody said could lead to this prove this fan theory and i'm like oh i love fan theories right right, right. they're fun um but anyway and, go, going back to discovery is yeah that, anyway like, that was the that was the point i was making it was having seen that and watching this episode i went what if they get to the end of this series whenever that is which it's kind of like Kind of like I said with the big technology thing, like the series can't run indefinitely. Um, so there are a couple of options like um, Captain Pike becoming paralyzed. That could end season two and the show could still move forward. Um, yeah, I, I hope that it in, had happened because it's clearly going to happen. I, I hope that it happens at the end instead of like next episode. Like I'd like to keep <laughs> as many episodes with him at the helm. as Sure, seems. sure. Um and so so my thinking is like, well, she acquires some kind of time travel ability, but they catch her. So who knows? And so then what if, you know, they're they're doing this whole thing with, um, what do they call it? Control or something like Section 31 has an AI. The control, yeah. Control. And so. What Which seems to be the real big bad of this Right, it's the real big season. bad. So what if they get to a point where that's become like the Borg and they can't stop it? Like they can't... Um, or maybe it is the Borg. Yeah, maybe. Um, the prevailing theory with that, I think, is that... Um, is connected to V'ger from uh, oh, yeah, the motion right. picture, right? It's like yeah. contact with the first contact with the Borg. Um, yep, yep. And it so it becomes a like time travel to fix the problem. Like they can't fix it now. They have to go back and stop the events that led to Section 31 creating the AI at all by, you know, somehow putting Starfleet and the Federation on this path of anti genetic engineering. All right, because you you had mentioned about that about like in the first season you were bothered a little bit by that the fact there were so many cyborgs on the show. Well, yet it's it's not just data that was it's an intentional the, thing. It's this um um it's the technology like the view screens and things like obviously that's how things will be in the future. But in the sixties they didn't know that, so they just have giant red buttons and and stuff, and that's is what it is. Um we've now been shown that what we see as as a as a robot on the ship is not a robot but a but as a cyborg a you know a actual person with a artificial body or something they don't really explain right. it which was kind of a shame 
They could have they could have done more with that character than they did. Wasted opportunity there, right? Yeah. Um, but which was even more noticeable at the very beginning of this one when they give her her funeral. I'm like, oh, what? Why are you reminding me? What? Yeah, she could have been so great. It's 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 strange. And so just like I said with Battlestar Galactica, like they get attacked by the Cylons and they say, uh, "Look what our aggressive, progressive technology got us." Right. It got us attacked by our own creation. We need to scale way back and just live with the, the bare essentials technology wise. Um, yeah. But then, and then, so but then you get next generation and sure more stuff and... stuff happens, but but it's slower. Um, sure. And so that's my sort of my fan, the- which doesn't seem particularly insightful now that I'm. I'm explaining it out, but like if, (laughs) if something happens and Michael has to go back, you know, maybe she goes back like way back and erases, you know, like the Klingon war never happened. You know, maybe she Mm -hmm. never got adopted by, um, Sarek. And you know, that's why there's, she's never mentioned by, by Spock in the future in the previous shows because I, I, I will, I will say this. I hope that doesn't happen. The reason I say that is because I like Discovery a lot, and I really, really am not a fan of let's hold this entire series beholden to a 1960s serial sci-fi thing. Hmm. Like, this, the Star Trek series was not known that it was going to be this massive enterprise True. of everything, to, to coin a phrase. Uh, it, it really was not. And it was in the 60s, for Pete's sakes. You can't go back and say, like, let's you know, this was clearly what we thought was going to be and hold it in stone as a thing. No, you're just, true. you're just shackling your arms to a thing that sucks. You know, <laughs> it, it's not that it sucks. It was fine for the time again, but you know, it's just, if if you, yeah, I don't know. Just, it seems like shackling. They always, yeah, people I, try to shackle themselves to the original series. About I, I, I get that. And I, you know, I'm a little bit of a traditionalist, so I, I appreciate sure. that. And I also appreciate the challenge of it. Um, I was not at all bothered um, by the Calvin verse um, uh, uh, JJ Abrams movies. Yeah. Take, take on. All um, yeah. That, 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 like, that felt like to me when it they're was like, like Oh, time yes. travel, alternate timeline. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Now you don't have to deal with because it's the kind of thing like, um, like adaptations staying true to the book, it's the kind of thing that matters a lot to a small group. And, a very small group. <laughs> and and that's hard to do. I mean, it depends on what it is, right? Like, there are probably, this is pure conjecture, but there are probably more diehard Star Trek fans than people who read A Song of Ice and Fire before Game of Thrones, the TV show. Okay, sure. Um, again, pure conjecture. No idea. Right. Um, yeah. I, the, the thing, though, is that, like, see, they, with the Kelvin universe, they could give you Abrams was really smart with his writing surprise and had done this. Like, I'm going to throw the fans a bone that they all they want is an excuse to not hold on to their misery. Like they they, <laughs> they know that I. Oh, yeah. It should Because because I love these characters so much from my childhood or whatever, for whatever reason, I don't want you to touch that memory mm-hmm. that. That that they you have to have give them some reason to accept that it's okay to do better, newer, faster, amazing things, and they can be happy with it too, without without uh, 
denying themselves or, you know, whatever it is. So Abram says, um, just say it's a time travel thing. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, good. Phew. Good. I feel like my childhood is preserved and now I can enjoy this without it. And, sure. and I don't want discovery to fall into the trap that they have to do that just for this very small amount of people. And what would be worse is if they wipe out all that discovery has done for Star Trek today and all of the Star Trek yeah. going forward. Yeah, just to I, tie it into that. I get that. So, I mean, you know, who knows? And just say, well, you know what? They just didn't talk about who his knows, well, or, well, or she died. Yeah, or... and, and of course, and of course, all of that is, you know, my thing is crazy fan theory. They're doing time travel, so that puts me in the mind of like, <laughs> now that there's time travel, <laughs> what, what could anything like, they happen. could do? They could do anything with this. Who knows? Um, and Discovery does have a lot of ties to the original series. They, They're very, very happy to, they do. to tie we, in. We talked about the Talos 4 episode. I appreciate that stuff just for the challenge of it. Like, I know it was, it's yeah. hard for them to do. And so... Mud. Mud is the same mm -hmm, way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, they, they, they did a lot of... I, I want to say something that bugged me about this episode a lot, a lot, a lot, the whole time, was that... They're like, let's plan a trap for Michael Burnham in the future. And like, she's standing right in front of you. Yeah. And she's part of this planning of the trap. No matter what trap you're going to set, she's going to know. That was strange. Like every bit of it. And she's like, how about if you kill me? I'll have to come save myself. I'm like, mm -hmm. no, because you know it's that a, it's a, it's a little melodramatic. Yeah. I have I have to think that next week we're going to get uh, hopefully some payoff for some of that stuff and be like, yeah, obviously I knew what you guys were doing, but I couldn't let myself die. It creates a time travel paradox. Like, yeah, or, uh, or yeah, I, I, I do, I do hope that, yeah, I mean, or, or if, if the thing is, is that like if she's knew that she was going to be trapped that way, that she would find no because she knows every detail about the mission, she would find a way to teleport in and not be cut cut off in the tethered, not be trapped, but still save herself. I mean, she's I, got all time to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And future I, tech. I think the implication is that it's really hard for her to travel, right? She's doing like yeah. a micro wormhole kind of thing, and maybe that plays yeah, and, into it too. But And this one, they, they, they do the whole like, we're going to not only just tell you about Michael Burnham, we're also going to tell you everything about how this is all working, everything about Section 31. They're going to tie in that section 31 guy into her past and like it just did so much that it didn't need to do yeah i mean episode. it's a it's a perfect example of what was quote-unquote wrong with season one um yeah and that's whether or not your story is quote-unquote star trek i mean we said this when we talked about last jedi um star trek is not is not um is not serialized it's episodic and you can do a hybrid because nobody does purely episodic shows anymore i mean mm -hmm. detective dramas and and sitcoms are still pretty close um but there's always some kind of connective uh arc between episodes sure. um and this one really tried to be like hey here's the episode about con the whole thing well right? we're we're back to the main the the capital m main story and i feel like maybe this this isn't actually true but i feel like the stuff that we have enjoyed the most uh in the short tracks and in season two has been the one-off episodic more star trek-y kind of stories 
I, I do I do like them, but I also like that they have the slow connective tissue that, of things slowly progressing in their own way, and that they are all relevant to the bigger story. You know what I mean? They they aren't just a throwaway episode. Yeah, never that's had one that's true. Like I love I love any kind of first contact story, and they did that thing with the with the people from Earth who were a couple hundred years out of date, um, uh-huh. and that was really. You know, I really enjoyed that one. That was not really a, you know, an episodic standalone episode. It's still connected into the um, larger Red Angel story arc, mm-hmm. but not in a not in a really significant way. Which is a funny thing, too, is that there are ones like that, that they have. There's these seven signals or whatever, and some of them feel like they're not connected. Now, the big AI robot death thing that blew up and died that seems to be the most important thing of all this um, yeah but but like the other ones that you mentioned there and the saru planet thing don't feel like they are they're just like those okay they needed to fill time now that you look at them in 2020 like they're not important no i mean their character development or their character development but they're not like why would she actually travel back in time to save these people from there were time travel people or like trapped in different time you know what i mean yeah uh, i mean the implication is that she saves herself whenever she was in danger in the past which is a weird sort of uh yeah time travel paradox implication but uh right yeah so yeah it's it, it's it's still good that's that just because you have one kind of shaky i'm gonna say in air quotes episode doesn't mean that it's a bad anything else is bad or the sky is falling it's just that like oh Oh, and of course, this has the Lieutenant Love interest thing too. I'm yeah, like, there's a Ugh. lot of there's a lot of stuff with Tyler. Yeah, um, and I'm like, okay, so this this is just going to be a circled on my list of like, yeah, you can skip this one. Mm-hmm. You can't skip it because you need to know it, but because it's because yeah. it's Discovery and there's one main big story arc. But yeah, right. I, I will say Stamets is much more enjoyable this season than he was in the first season. Um, he's he's dealing with such personal personable thi- personal things that are heavy and hard. Yeah. But the actor is doing a good job of showing that he's carrying on, but still dealing with stuff very subtly mm-hmm. and still and somehow becoming a likable character where he was not at all in the first <laughs> season. So I, I I appreciate his acting that he's done this season. Yeah, um, his first his first season character was really just straight up neurotic, you know, kind of one very no- abrasive, one note, abrasive engineer kind of character. And the. The combination of his, you know, vulnerability with the whole uh, mycelial um, uh, uh, a story arc from season one, and his his struggles with his uh, uh, partner, and their yeah. their issues, you know, with him basically coming back to life. I I loved that scene. That scene was the best part, I think, of this of this most recent episode when he goes and talks to the admiral. Um, that was really, oh, that was good. That was, that really was, good. that was really, it's weird that they, that they gave that role to her, like that, the the writers decided that, that they were going to put him in the room with the Admiral. That was, they, they could have had any character have some kind of yeah, background th- in psychology. I think the implication is that this is, it's pre original series era. So there are no ships counselors, right? Like yeah. the only counselor in original series was bones, you know, yeah, but, the, but they could have given Kirk that a drink. That, yeah, they could have given that talk and relationship to any other person. It could have been Saru or 
anyone else. It's like, hey, you, you, he could have walked in and said, I, I heard you had a background in psychology and they could have sat and chat, but they intentionally chose the Admiral, which is a weird, I don't know where I place her in this series because she's here and she's important, but it's really weird. And they, they're like, they're wanting to include her. Hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and so, which is good. So it was a good scene and I, and I liked it a lot. Yeah, I, did, I will I li- say I did too. The, 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 the thing with the, the Stamet scene that I liked the most was, of course, the scene stealer of all scene stealers is uh, Emperor Giorgio. Um, mm-hmm. She is <laughs> perfect. She's perfect. Oh, like, yeah. When yeah. she tries to come it's on like, to Stamets right there. You're much smarter than my Stamets. Yeah, that was a... Yeah, and, and then she's like clearly really like flirting with him big time. And the guy, and the guy's like, you know he's gay, right? You know he is. She's like, yeah, but he was bi. And there's this whole thing. There's like very sexual tension. Mm-hmm. And then she walks away until he's like, what just happened? It was so good. Like, I think that actress... I don't know. I've seen her in so many things. Yeah. And and I don't think she has ever been as good as she's been in this, but she's still kind of the same actress. Sure. I think they just give her the lines. You're in it for 10 minutes of the show and you dominate your 10 minutes and then walk away. <laughs> right. But if you watched a, a whole season with her, it would kind of suck. Maybe I wouldn't want her to be a regular, you know. No. Yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't want to overdo it for sure. Yeah. I, I do miss. Terribly, I miss the the doctor engineer lady. Um, yeah, yeah. We have. I wish there was. A, I wonder if there's too much a of her. True, if there's a true Hollywood behind this the scenes story with that, like why she you know hasn't been on there or what the decision to have her come in and then disappear and then. Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, but anyway, I like I like her and that actress seems was just really great. So hopefully we do see more from her. Um, so yeah, I, it, it was good. I'm. I'm always looking for an next one. Do we know how many episodes are there in a season? I think we this? have to be getting close to the end. Oh, that makes me sad. I mean, it really does make me sad. I, I miss the days of 24 to 30 episodes of a, of a show that you enjoy. Um, as long as they're enjoyable all the way through. Because it's only like 13. And But my other complaint is things like uh, Jessica Jones that just drag on too long. Yeah, I'll, so, I'll take quality over quantity. Uh, let's I agree. See. I totally agree. So this is worth it, and I, it's just a sad, a bittersweet. When according you know, to are... IMDb, there are fourteen episodes. This Ooh. one was episode ten. Oh, okay. So, so we, we're 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 going downhill. We have four more. The next one is called Perpetual Infinity, which seems oh, redundant. They're probably going to explain the whole time thing and what the deal yeah, is, yeah, travel Hopefully. and all that is, but. Uh, it's weird, weird. I, I did. There was an odd line that the guy said that Klingons were experimenting with time travel technology, which always throws me because we talked about this. Like yeah. Klingons just don't seem like the race that can make, make any starships sense. anyway. Right. Uh, but man, if they had time travel, because clearly, evidently, they're smart enough to do space things mm-hmm. that they could do it. I'm like, yeah, that's terrible. Like, man, <laughs> you know. You're worried about a crazy human getting control of time travel, let alone a warlike racist that would destroy all life, you know? Yeah. I I was randomly thinking about that today while I was working, and uh, I don't I don't think that holds water. I don't think going back and destroying your enemy in their primordial ooze is honorable. No, no, no way. For sure. You, you would not bring... Or even going back when they're Bring weak. shame on the House of Moog. You'd definitely not be able to enter the halls of stovokor <laughs> right right yeah they're 
the Klingons are something something else. I, mm-hmm. I, I we, we didn't get to mention that how was it this season they ushered them into more of a modern modern age, like their look. Like yeah, they bridged that. Mm-hmm. They bridged that. Probably pretty adeptly, like why they look so different in the movies, and then at the beginning here, and now they're they started to look. It's like this whole war ending. They grew hair. They start changing their looks. Like that's that's kind of cool. Good job, Discovery. You <laughs> you know you probably made some some super nerds really happy that you listened. <laughs> um, so yeah, the 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 writers of the show definitely listen to fans. I'm happy about that. Yeah, they're. For the most part, they're striking a good balance between all of the various plates they're trying to spin with this with yeah. this series. We'll have to talk about some um, Orville next week because I, I think I'm a little behind. on Yeah, I'm be- I'm behind uh, at least one episode on that, so we'll have to catch up. Right. And, uh, it, it's it's it makes me sad that I'm behind it, but I I I'm very happy to pace myself on these shows and not watch them immediately. Right, right. Because uh, they're they're good in quality. So mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we only got a few minutes left here, but I was wondering to pick your brain on something before we go. And okay. and we only got like 10 minutes or less than that even. So let's try to make it brief. But <laughs> Google and Apple have recently, this would be good news, which we haven't heard in a while. Good news, everyone. Google and Apple have recently entered into the gaming sphere. Now, it's it's arguably that Apple has always been there. Um, but Maybe not always, they, but yeah. Well, they they deal with games a lot on their platforms. They don't make them, but right. Um, and this is this is new today. I have not read all of the the articles on Apple and what they announced today. Sure. Um, but they are they are inter. They have like a whole gaming division thing that they're making, and they're going to make mm-hmm. it seamless between all of their platforms. So if you have a a game on uh the, your phone, it'll also be on your Apple TV and on your iPad, and it'll all be seamless and they're going to make their own content i think i see uh interesting which is interesting and google um is going to do a cloud-based gaming thing okay that's that's where i thought you were going with this topic because this is a thing um microsoft has been trying to do for a while um yeah they and microsoft and google both have and maybe to a lesser extent, Apple have the network infrastructure to do this in the way that a, you know, a startup really can't. Yeah. I mean, just the concept of like Google is comparing it to a Netflix thing where you pay a subscription and you have access to the whole library. Like that's amazing. I mean, people are really going back and forth like, nah, nah, nah. But it's the same thing that happened with Netflix when you were forever buying movies and then still renting the movies from them and then sending you out the physical discs. At one point, they're like, hey, if you just pay the fee, you can watch all of them online. Right. And you're like, nah, that's they'll never do. Nah, whatever. But why not? Yeah, I I, mean, I, I don't think I was too much of a naysayer with that. This. This is going to be just like that, though, where it depends on the network infrastructure, right? Like, um, you know, if you're playing, and I think I said this, we talked about uh, Shadow or whatever the the one Trotsky has that's for PC gaming. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, if I'm playing, uh, whatever, if I'm playing a single player Red Dead Redemption or something, I don't need the whole game all the time 
Um, I, right. I maybe don't even need the processing power to graphically render the game from the code. I maybe just need, well, it's just like Steam uh, home streaming, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or or this thing, this new thing PlayStation does, except those are inside your home network. That's a little bit easier. Like I can. Well, the PlayStation one is across the world. Like it's across the Internet. Oh, it does work. It does work remotely. Yeah. I think yeah, I I've didn't gone... even try it because my Internet here is not fast enough that I would even. Th- th- yeah, that, that it definitely that's a, that's would not thing. work. Sydney tried it at her mom's and her mom has really poor internet mm-hmm. and <laughs> it wouldn't work. Yeah. I mean, it would work a little bit for a second and then it would say, no, your internet. And so, enough. and so that's the concept here. Like I can run a game on my, on my PS4 and I can control it and see it on my phone. This is relatively new. I believe. I mean, I only heard about it a couple weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. And then if I have a controller for my phone, I can play a PlayStation game on my phone. Um, yeah. It, was not fast enough to me for me to be able to play, say, the Spider-Man game. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Part of that is my Wi-Fi, as I mentioned. Um, yeah. But the idea with this cloud gaming is like that, except you don't even need the PS4 part of it. Like, right. The the PS4, the hypothetical PS4, is on a rack of servers, and you're just using the thin client. It's the um. It's a principle behind a Chromebook, right? You can have a, a you know, thin client, as we used to call it. Um, mm-hmm. You just need a device with the controls and the networking and enough processing power to pick up that video and render it and, and send your actions back. And a lot of that depends on um, optimizing pings as far as network communication and and prediction algorithms so that you're not so that you're not hung up by things like input lag um well if it's a big success it'll wreck things like the the cable isps like to do with throttling usage sure sure right i mean you think people watch videos a lot now it's you know streaming games on top of that would be a huge thing yeah it's one of those Um, things where you know it's kind of hard today to imagine it working really well, but in the days of dial-up, it was pretty hard to imagine Netflix streaming, and now we have all those things. Like, that's how technology works. Um, yeah, I totally agree, and that's that's a very good thought with that, is that if, if we just naysay and, and cast it off as, like, that's impossible, that's what everyone had said to things and. Oh yeah, you just gotta yeah. yeah. It, but but it makes total sense that that could could and maybe should be the way that things go. Is that you pay money and and you it has to be profitable. The idea here is that I buy games. I do. Sure. But how many games do I buy in a year? Do I buy uh, twelve of them? Let's say that they charge thirty dollars a month for this this system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do I, do I spend the equivalent of six games a year at full $60 price? (laughs) Probably not. Right. But you know what? People will buy lots of people, probably millions of people will spend $30 a month for unlimited access to every Call of Duty game and Battlefield and Fortnite. Exactly. You know, for all of the stuff as immediately as soon as it comes out. And you know what? The, The developers will rake in cash from it. They would think, oh, why would they do that when they could sell the game for $60? Well, the thing is, is that they're going to get 
people who don't even play the game, they're going to get a cut. It's, I mean, it's the old subscription model that nobody does anymore. Um, you know, yeah. except World of Warcraft. Well, that's not true. Some, some still do. Final Fantasy has right. a subscription, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's recurring revenue. It's again, I don't. It doesn't seem to me like the like the technology and infrastructure is there. If you are fortunate enough to live somewhere with fiber internet or something like that, it's probably you know something that you could foresee within six months. Uh, if you're somewhere like me where you have to settle for DSL, probably not so much. Probably you have to still keep buying games. Hey, and and as you had said, it's not like uh, this is a small startup or something. This is Google we're talking right. about. Google and Microsoft with massive like Google. Uh, Microsoft has their Azure platform. Um, Google, you know, we know is taking over the world. So uh, yeah. yeah, so that that they're the tech geniuses of the world. So if if anyone can make it happen, they can. For sure, and For that sure. that's exciting to me. That that is really exciting to me, and I, and I would. And I would be, you know, I still buy physical copies of movies. I still buy, go out and buy physical copies of games, some digital too, but I I would do it. I would go right on over to it. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I have so, I have over 150 or 250 games on my PlayStation 4 because I have been getting the free games every month. I always forget to from, do that. I always get them and at least check them out in the library. I mean, so that yeah. you can like have them in your library. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, I can play hundreds, literally hundreds of dig- fun, really great digital games <laughs> in my library that that I didn't have to have the, the discs for. Um, and this is exciting for me. So, yeah, I I don't know. I'm As we always say on this show, I'm cautiously optimistic. <laughs> yeah, moderating my expectations. It's definitely so. early days for this kind of tech. But with players like these whew. in the game, uh, it's it, it seems to be... Uh, the way of the future, as Howard Hughes. Yeah, would which say. is cool to see the fu- to see the future when you're here, right? It's, yeah, yeah. I like I like living in the future. The future is pretty <laughs> cool. So I'm just waiting for my I'm just waiting for my self driving car so that I can play play video you, games on the drive to Bloomington yeah. and not have to. You, you've given yeah, not have right, to control the death box myself. If if you uh, uh, have you given up on flying cars now, you just want you just want to be self driving. I mean, people can't even handle traffic on the ground. <laughs> That's true. I think it's self driving cars first, and then like the cars don't need to fly if the if the ones on the road are moving logically and intelligently, and not with you know road rage and various other emotions. True. You want you wonder why I idolized Spock as a teenager. <laughs> all right you've right. been listening to the front porch good. this is episode 83 did we say there's a question mark on yeah. that uh there's right. 80, this is 82 just, no 83 yeah 83. it's 83 episode 83 uh thanks as always to our friends at geek scholars movie news if you like movies you should check them out they talk about all that good stuff with much more brevity than we do uh if you like star trek role-playing star trek role-playing you can check out our other show klingonsanddragons.com it's uh there's a lot of mom jokes not safe for work <laughs> if you have questions comments feedback uh you want to tell us your favorite lines from the dark night you can email us frontporchpod at gmail.com if you go to our website frontporchpodcast.com we got contact forms over there we got the schedule for the 100 movies in the 2020 challenge uh if you enjoy the show you can subscribe on apple pod, pod- apple podcast spotify <laughs> 
Uh, we're probably on all the things, Overcast and all, all of that. All the things. Junk. They're everywhere. Except we don't do Twitter, right? There's no Twitters. Yeah, we're not. On we, all the we're, we're not we, we are on social media, but none of it is particularly relevant to... Uh, to listeners i right we're we're not hashtagging you out yeah yeah you could see you could see the pictures i took at the mumford concert on my instagram if you really really wanted to but uh hey i've been trying you got me to do the the imager thing and i've been periodically at least looking at that app so (laughs) it's the only one i use because people don't really use any words right right nobody can nobody can get on and give their hot take on whatever the latest news headline is uh uh like a like a crazy uncle instead they just right. podcast yeah i would i would rather instead of going to the social media i would rather uh just uh talk to you guys here on the show it's true so it's true <laughs> all right thanks as always for listening and until next time i'm dennis and i'm michael for the front porch night see you next time